0: Sandy Swallow. I'm Okalala Lakota and Northern Cheyenne. I've been an artist for over 30 years and through my artwork have portrayed my heritage. Now I'm starting a brand new venture called Lakota Link and I'm here to share with you and I hope you enjoy it. Lakota Link. Greetings from the home of the Seven Council Fires land of the 1868 Fort Laramie Treaties, bringing stories old and new of Lakota values. Courage, respect, wisdom, to name a few. Hi, I'd like to introduce you to Mike Wise. On the East Coast, he's very well known. Some of his credentials are that he was a, f- a former senior writer for ESPN, former sports columnist at the Washington Post, former NBA columnist, feature writer at the New York Times. Those are just some of his credentials. He, he Now, he... Besides doing the Mike Wise Show podcast, which has to do with sports, of course, he's also an author and works for CBS in D.C. How Mike and I got acquainted was I met him a few years ago, and he he was invited to supper with Billy, Billy and Pat Mills and some other guests. And I he he's just such a down-to-earth guy and so smart. And when I decided to do the podcast, I, I thought it, he was one name that came to mind that would be very interesting to talk to because I would say he has a real heart for the Lakota people and other tribes too. So So thank you, Mike, for joining us. Well, Mike, welcome to Lakota Link. I just was so happy to, when you agreed to visit with me. And, and can you tell me a little bit about yourself?
1: Yes, Sandy, first of all, thank you and Wayne for having me. Um, I appreciate you mortgaging your house to pay me for this appearance. <laughs> it's, it's very nice. I really appreciate it. Uh, Well you know we met a few years ago um but um i've been out in dc for the last or the washington area for the last 15 years first as a washington post columnist and then with uh, i was with espn's undefeated and i've been with channel nine in dc cbs affiliate for the last year and a half and uh, yeah so i've it's kind of become home i'm about 20 minutes outside of washington dc and it's uh i go into the city often. And it's uh, boy, we're all as I guess much much of the nation is. We're kind of COVID crazy, and um, it's really forced us indoors.
0: You know, Wayne and I made a trip a couple of times to Washington D.C., and that was quite an experience. Coming from South Dakota to Washington, we went on the train, and that that's a long ride, but it was fun, and we got to see. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, we got to see the country and. I'm always amazed at how many people are out there. Can you tell me your experience with the quarantine?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, what, what, like, many th- like many people um, that weren't, I guess, um, privileged senators or um, office holders that, uh, or public health officials that had a clue of what might happen, you know, I was, I, I kind of felt like something um, might happen, not to this extent. But when the NBA shut down, I think that sort of spearheaded a lot of different organizations and, and sports leagues and companies. And all of a sudden, um, within two weeks, it felt like uh, we went from our lives were full of dates, plans and everything to this is all that mattered. They, you know, trying to maintain, trying to curb the coronavirus infection. And it, all of a sudden it went from, you know, I remember my son had a a junior Olympics meet in swimming, and he he was all happy. He was nine. He qualified in the backstroke, and it was this regional meet in the University of Maryland. And we heard it's canceled, and and I was thinking, oh, this is awful. He was really looking forward to this, and within shoot five days, everything was canceled. Oh, <laughs> I I,
0: I just, know.
1: It was just wasn't it shocking how every. I mean, it went from we had practices in uh, and basketball and practicing swimming and, and our other son went to goes to, there's five, he goes to a Montessori school too. I mean, it was just, okay, this is going to be his last day and we're going to be picking him up and we're homebound forever. And the TV station I was at basically within a week said, okay, you'll be doing work from home. Now you'll be doing telework and you'll be doing things on Skype and whatnot. And you won't be in the studio because we're worried about it getting infected. And it was just, I mean, and then all of a sudden you see the streets, and they're bare, and you go, you know, you drive down uh, these major thoroughfares, and they're just vacant. And it's just, yeah, it's it's as shocking as anything in my lifetime.
0: Well, and it's such an unknown, you know, nobody knows what's going to happen or when things are going to get back to normal, or if they ever are going to get back to normal, as we know it. You know, I I think there's mm. going to be a big change in society. I don't know what, but
1: Oh, I agree with you. I What is it like in South Dakota right now? Um, I, I know you guys are outside Rapid City a little bit, but what is it what is it like Well, we to, yeah, go ahead.
0: We live in a, a you know, a small town about 10,000 and uh, it's a college or university um, community everything has been closed down mm. um, my husband and I being older our daughter's an RN and she said do you need to stay home <laughs> you know yeah. so we've been pretty careful about it and but the reservation you know I I'm from Pine Ridge and yeah. our president Julian Bearrunner and the council decided to totally shut down the reservation I think today they've opened it up a little bit so that um, people can go get groceries because there's only there's not many grocery stores there, but I mean they had checkpoints; they would not let people out or in, and I, of course, a lot of my relatives are there, and uh, that created a hardship. But uh, they're very worried. But you know that. The Native American community is quite close to the families. And yes. I think that's been the biggest hardship because even people that have had their relatives pass on, they haven't been able to have the wake and the huge gatherings that they generally do. And uh, but everybody's doing this. I mean, this is something we' we are all facing.
1: Do you think that the people that were going to get sick out there has been helped by the reservation shutting down like that?
0: Well, you know, actually there was a person that was working on the reservation and she came back and she had been in Denver and came back and had the virus. And I think that that was a reaction to having somebody come back in. You know, and you know, uh, I'm I'm sure she didn't know it, but within a very very short time, she was diagnosed, and you know, it just
1: she became a super spreader, and she didn't even know it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Mm. And you know, that's kind of the scary thing about this. And you yeah. know, I I know people are very worried about elders, but as we have seen, and I'm sure you're right there in the midst of all the, you know, talk yeah. from everybody. Do, do you happen to know personally some people that you know have come down with it?
1: Yeah. So it's funny you ask. We were about, oh, shoot, three weeks ago. We were My wife and I were watching CNN. And I said to her, I said, you know, honey, I think within a week or something, I bet you we meet somebody that's either had it or somebody passed away. And within 20 seconds, the whole screen filled up with this guy, Alan Finder. His name's Alan Finder, and and he was my enterprise sports editor when I worked at the New York Times for about two years in the um, late 90s or maybe early 2000s. And I just remember um, that, you know, uh, we're really sorry today that Alan Finder lost his life to Corona. And I said, what? And it just shocked me because, I mean, while we weren't close and we hadn't seen each other in many years, it just, wow, this was someone I knew and worked with daily for a long time. And so. Yeah, that, that threw me for a loop. There's a couple people that I've known that have gotten it. Um, nobody really close to me, luckily. But you don't know as well. They might be asymptomatic. And we've been pretty careful about, like, we live in this cul-de-sac in the suburbs. and But, but even then, like, some of the kids play together. And you try and tell them six feet, six feet. But, you know, my five-year-old has her little playmate across the street. And they they goof around a lot and so it's you know it's it's just hard and um, it's hard on the kids it's hard on the families and it's uh, we've been trying to be as careful as we can with the masks and when we go out to shop and everything but you just don't know you just don't know
0: yeah i spoke to this uh young lady she's a professor in new york city and she's in a little tiny apartment way up high you know skyscraper sort of thing and, mm. um, you know, people like that, I'm, I'm sure they get more stir crazy because I look, I'm looking outside right now and we have, we're blessed and we have five acres and, you know, we have a chunka and an igmu and that is a dog and a cat and, okay. <laughs> and they keep us entertained. <laughs> but, um, yeah. and I am not a, a person that hugs a lot, I just don't but now I've yeah. got this great desire to hug my daughter and my <laughs> grand <laughs> and I can't, you know, where we shouldn't yeah. and stuff, so it, it just makes you stop to think a lot more about things I would um, kind of like to share with our people that are listening how you, you know, to me people come into my lives and, and, and I get to know them and in am impressed and then amazed when I get to know them and how you and I got to know each other
1: <laughs> yeah yeah it's a great story I think um it's funny how many how many people I think Billy Mills has brought together in some way he's he's almost a six degrees of everybody <laughs> in some ways he's uh you know he's something in, in my life I I met him, I guess it would have been two thousand four um at the Olympic trials in Sacramento. and I just remember he had a grandson that was really young and um, and now he's much older, of course, but he's no the, somehow he didn't he got locked out of the gate to get in and he was crying and I tried and I found I go, who well, who do you know? Billy Mills is my grandfather and so i I talked to security people. I said, you guys, this is Billy Mills, yeah. And then, so at any rate, we got him. We got him in again. But um, and I remember going to visit him after that, and uh, I did a story on him. And then about three years later, I was in touch with him off and on, and I ran for the Running Strong for American Indian Youth charity. And I ran the Marine Corps Marathon and raised some money for it. And ever, and you know, I went out to Pine Ridge and spent some time out there on the Crow Agency in Montana and saw what the charity did. And I was like, well, I'm really you know, connected here. And then um, the more I spoke to him, the more I realized that there'd never been a real serious biography about his life. And so I started on a quest to write a biography about Billy's life. And
0: And when do you, when do you think, (laughs) when do you think this biography is going to be done?
1: So I'm promising your listeners and you um, by 2021 I I expect to see that on the shelves, hopefully before the Olympics, because it would really, the the one blessing in disguise is the Olympics got canceled. So it gave me more time to finish it. And I think it's a great hook for the book because of course, Billy won in Tokyo um, all those years ago and God willing, the creator willing, he stays healthy. And we're, um, and we're, and we'll promote that book right up until the Olympics and during the Olympics. And so I'm, um, yeah i'm promising 2021 no matter what so yeah so i'm really and it's been a arduous task in many ways because of the different jobs i've had to um negotiate with to do the book on the side but also it's uh, it's been a labor of love too because i've really i'm excited for it to finally come out
0: well i know and for the listeners who don't know, Billy did win in Tokyo. And so this Olympics is very dear to his heart. Some of the listeners don't know that Billy and I are first cousins. And his, his dad was my mom's older brother. So we have that connection there. And uh, just to kind of tell a little story how I met Mike... and I had no idea who you were. (laughs) Billy said that you were writing, you know, a book about him. Uh, I had invited a group to go out to eat, and it was with um, Billy and Pat, and and Mike was sitting next to me, and then Yuki. He he was a sculpture. He was doing Main Street Square, and there and Billy liked him him he had a connection cuz Yuki is originally from Japan and That's right. Yeah. Then there was Anna Seaton Hunt- Huntington and her husband Stuart Huntington and everybody of course was very happy to be able to have supper with Billy and Pat and and um, I remember Stuart standing up and he says well There's two Olympic winners here. (laughs) I remember that. Yeah, and and Anna, she won bronze in 1992. And I had no idea about that. We'd been friends for a long time, but I didn't know. And then um, what impressed me about you, Mike, was uh, sitting next to you and trying to get to know you a little bit and asking you a few questions, and I told Wayne, my husband, I said, he has got a mind like a steel trap. he can remember all these things about because he was <laughs> telling me all these sports things which I know nothing about <laughs> but because I'm an artist, I just tend to to the art world but but i uh I knew you really knew that and and then when I was looking up your information and to see all. All the things that you had done—a former sports columnist for the Washington Post, and writer and columnist for ESPN—and and I do have one kind of one question for you. Sure. Um, can you think about maybe the top two or three people that it stay in your mind that you interviewed or you talked to?
1: Oh yeah, sure. I mean, oh gosh, there's been uh, so many different interviews over the years that I've done. Um, because I wrote Shaquille O'Neal's autobiography in 2001 or 2000, I am, um, and I've maintained a pretty pretty good relationship with him over the years. I think he's, you know, he's such a big kid still, and um, so I think Shaq is probably one. Um, I think. Oh shoot! I you know I remember interviewing a woman in New Zealand who, of all people, she wasn't really a sports person. Well, she, I guess she was, but her her name was Lady Pippa Blake, and um, i the New York Times had sent me out there years ago in like 2003 to do the America's Cup for a couple of weeks. Well, I didn't know anything about yachting, and the guy who regularly did it just wanted a vacation because that was just the qualifier and. You just wanted to go back home to New York for a while before um, the, the, the finals came up. And so I went out to New Zealand for a couple of weeks and didn't really know what I was doing. But I ended up doing a story on this woman who was just incredible. She um, she was married to a guy named Sir Peter Blake, who won uh, Aust- New Zealand's first um, America's Cup and um and in the preceding time between the le- the next one, he was killed. He was murdered by pirates while on the Amazon. Um, and, and she, you know, and it, he was a great sportsman statesman and she was widowed. And I just remember spending time with her and she was just such a courageous woman, not just to talk to me about her husband, but to talk to me about New Zealand and all the things that she'd come across. And so She always sticks in my mind. Gosh, there's so many others that really I mean, Billy's Billy really is is ingrained in my mind because of all the things I've it seems like, you know, there's there's the story of his life. But then he spends time doing activism. I remember him in Minnesota several years ago when uh, there was a big protest against Washington's football name. And he was a big part of that. And he spoke to the crowd before they marched to the stadium. And um, so, you know, he's, he, he, you know, he his stories and the way he is just resonates with me a lot. I think those are, those are some of the top three anyway. Oh. You know, I, I'm sure there's more famous people that I've met. I mean, Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan and, and different football stars and and uh, baseball stars, but and hockey stars. But I, I think those were three of the most prominent that I remember as interviews.
0: Well, you know, uh, Lakota Link. Part of the reason I created it, so to speak, because actually, I don't know what I'm doing when I'm doing this (laughs) podcast but Uh, I figured
1: I do I have a podcast and you're doing fine I can tell you
0: (laughs) well you know I'm a Lakota elder and and just to try to keep up with the times and keep a young spirit and and so I thought about what would be my theme and and part of my theme is the values and their mm. Lakota have many values and and uh, some of them I have focused on is courage respect and wisdom and what what I think about when I wanted to contact you was the respect that you have for our culture and not everybody, can say that you know not everybody has that in their heart but I knew right away having visited with you in person that that you were one of those people that I call them true blue
1: (laughs) (laughs) well that's that's one of the nicest I think um, I'm not sure where I got that from I think part of it is my father was when he I think he told, you know, he told me stories about growing up in Sparks, Nevada and and some of the stories about the Native American people that he'd met. Um, but also uh, when he took us to Hawaii when I was about 12. And I think growing up in a that was a real melting pot. And, you know, as a as a Caucasian person, I was a minority. And I think everybody should be I, having been a minority um, once in my life. I'm convinced that everybody should be on the other side of the fence once in their life just to see what it's like. And I think that gave me some empathy and compassion. But yeah, I just, um, I've been really fortunate over the last several years to do a lot of really, really great stories and different stories and that all connect in those ways. And, And of course, just getting to know Billy, going out there and spending time on Pine Ridge and some of the people that he'd worked with, um, you know, they, they put me up and they brought me to a Sundance, and I felt so privileged. And, and when you come up over that hill, this one hill on Pine Ridge, and, and you end up at this Sundance, and, I mean, it, it feels like you could be in the 1800s. There's no – the cars are all – you know, you can barely see them, and it's just these long fields of wheat. And it was just uh, – I don't know. it was It was almost a spiritual thing, and I thought to myself, you know, this is – this is a much, um, much more uncomplicated life, and um, and I like it here. And I, and I remember feeling the peace of that that peace of that area.
0: Well, you know, sometimes, and and I'm not putting down, you know, other people, <laughs> but oh. sometimes they will film, you know, the poverty, and they will talk about the, the problems, the drugs, and the alcohol, and poverty there. But oh. I like to. Focus on the beauty. I mean, people that haven't been out there, out to the reservations, yeah. they they have no idea. And I'm so glad you brought that up because there is a lot of beauty there. There's also a lot of hardworking families, and maybe it's a little more difficult because there's not a lot of employment at places for people you know people to be employed. And yes, so, but. It's just, you know, we're all uh, all related. We're all the same. We all have the desires for happiness for our families and, and the best. And, and
1: Yeah, and, I felt the same thing when I got out there. I guess in a way I was lucky, Sandy, because I went out with, I remember the one time I went out with, some of the running strong people um, for the charity, and I and I interviewed a, several, a bunch of Billy's family out there. And um, another time, I went out with the um, shoot. He was out there for a program, uh, and it was uh, the Lone Star School, I think.
0: Lone um, men, lone men,
1: Lone Men School, uh-huh. yes, the Lone Men School. And he was sort. Of, he was spending a day there, and he was interviewed, and he. They gave the kids a bunch of stuff, and and anyway, so I was lucky. I mean, of course, when you're when you're with Billy, he's sort of a celebrity.
0: Oh also, yeah, <laughs> you
1: know. And so so I think you know I am lucky I get to see, but but even just him taking me around to I remember like the cemetery um, and where his uh, parents were buried, also you know, the Cloud School, and all those things. Like to me, those were all. Um, yeah, it was. That's part of history. It's American history, and and so many people don't even get to see it, and um, because it's so far off the beaten path, and and uh, you know, it's I'm I'm glad I went there, and I sort of one of my dreams is to take my children through there again, um, and to show them that part of the country because I think it's a it's a different world, and people are great, and uh, I don't know, I I I just feel feel very connected and you know we don't I don't really see a lot of native people out in Washington other if, if if I go to the National Museum of the American Indian or I I go to a local power or something but I you know there's unless you're at the BIA uh, the, the the Bureau of Indian Affairs or the or the National Congress of American Indians it's really hard to meet and see native people out here.
0: Yeah and I know what you mean, being around Billy, because uh, you know I kind of grew up like he was my hero, older cousin. <laughs> and in Indian way, when your first yeah. cousins, your brother and sister, and oh yeah, yeah. So, I of course I claim him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but
1: that's, you know that. You know what's funny about that is I, I um I have a second cousin who won a gold medal at the. Um, the 2014 Winter Olympics and 2018, he was a superpipe skier from Reno, Nevada. His name's David Wise, and he's much younger than me. But but you know, and I hadn't seen him in years until a family reunion. But I showed up at the Olympics in in Russia, and I was like, "Hey, cuz! All of a sudden, I was his best friend. And he's like, uh, <laughs> we haven't even talked in
0: years. I know, but you're really good
1: now. I want to be friends with you." <laughs> but uh, it, was, it was pretty funny.
0: Well, you know, you know, the thing about that is anybody your cousin or Billy or any of those Mm. Olympic people are the sports people we know how hard they've worked it 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 isn't something that's just thrown in their lap you know it's not like being born into a family that's wealthy it's something that they have worked so hard for and they have that that word tenacity where they just have to keep on and, and I'm so glad you're going to be doing a book on Billy because, um, certainly in his life story in his younger years, you know, it, it was difficult for him. And he, boy, I mean, he's got that that is such a thing for young Native people to know that somebody can pull themselves up and keep going. You know,
1: uh, I and I think yeah, I think I think especially um, people from Pine Ridge and Lakota will be it'll touch them more than anybody. But I think as a you know as a story itself, when I think of for instance the Olympics, really didn't get big on television until I want to say Munich in '72, when um, the the Palestinians. Um, took the Israeli hostages and there were Mark Spitz won seven gold medals and so and it became like the big the first big ABC you know Howard Cosell Jim McKay that that was one of the first big things on television for the Olympics the 68 Olympics were really interesting but they weren't as popular back home and but the 72 Olympics somehow caught the 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 nation by surprise and ever since then the olympics have been a really big television sport and and one of the great things about doing this book is not enough people not not you know people don't know billy like you think they do they know of course in our in your world and and my sports world and i think they know him a little bit but and and certainly they know him back there very well but but shoot his story has kind of been lost and my literary agent even said he goes well. The, he t- I told him the story and he got to meet Billy and Pat uh, a year and a half ago out here and he said, "This guy's the human sea biscuit." <laughs> <laughs> he goes, "This guy's a human sea biscuit. Like he's like did such a great story that hardly anybody knows." And I go, "I know. That's why we got to tell it right." And and I would be remiss if I didn't say thank you. Your your research, your genealogical research, is helping me write this book in many ways. And it's it's um, it's. It's so poignant for the story I can't even tell you.
0: Well, you know, Mike, I I've always wanted to be a PI private investigator. (laughs) (laughs) And that wasn't in the cards. (laughs) And and, but so I'm fulfilling it in digging up a lot of the history and I love it. (laughs) But you know, the The thing with Native American history, a lot of people perhaps don't know this, but it was a lot through oral history. And, of course, you know, they didn't yeah. back then have written history, and, and so the stories would be handed down. And my mom, being the youngest of about, I don't know, 12 or 14 kids, mm. and uh, she was, you know... The last to go, so to speak, and and she liked to tell me stories, and so I would write them down. And of course, I know one thing you're going to be able to tell is that our well, we call him our great great like grandpa, but actually he was an uncle, and he was at the Battle Bighorn Battle. The
1: Battle of Little Bighorn, yes. Yeah,
0: Battle of Little Bighorn, but the Indians called it the Battle of Greasy Grass.
1: Yes, a Battle of greasy yeah. grass
0: and that was painted horse, and he was actually yeah. uh harmed he He was shot in the, um the lake and stuff and yeah, so, yeah, and so I did a poem, and I put him right up there with red cloud and, and crazy oh, that's Horse. Good. so wait, painted
1: painted horse painted horse was how he how was he related to you?
0: well, Susie Adams was our grandmother. Yes, and her husband's name was Alex Adams, Or wait, I'm sorry, her dad's name was Alex Adams, and yes. he was married to Dear Woman. And I'm not sure what her, you know, name was white white name. Yes. you know, but her, but they called her Dear Woman. Well, Alex Adams' half brother was Peanut Horse.
1: Oh, Ale- that's right. Alex Adams' half brother was painted. Worse.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's right. M- when my aunt Lula was elderly, and, uh my mom and her, I I was interested in this, and so they sat down and they wrote out all these names and and you know who they were and my cousins and stuff like that, and and I kept it, you know. And, Mm. and so, and then when my mom passed on, I inherited a lot of land and some of it was from Painted Horse.
1: Wow. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah.
0: And so, I mean, there's records in the Pine Ridge, you know, Okalala tribal records. So, I mean, anybody can tell you anything, you know, but I mean, I, I can prove it.
1: (laughs) no yeah you you're you you've got you've got the receipts so to speak yes um yeah, yeah. the yeah. the so and alex adams um married he was married to dear woman correct
0: yes uh-huh
1: now was alex adams white
0: alex adams no no okay. um his his uh his dad was white, so he was ah, half okay. white uh-huh Okay, and, and right. his Indian name was charging Crow and charging crow yeah okay. and this young lady from um, New York City contacted me and she had a memoir of Alex charging Crow and she said uh, somebody had interviewed him because it wasn't written by him you know sure because there was big words in it and yeah. um, anyway, she but he said his dad's name was Adams and he was half yeah. half white and he said but I but my dad left and that's what happened David Adams left Victoria Adams was my great great our great great grandmother and okay. and I inherited land from her too on the, ah. on the reservation and anyway David left and he had a white family and he, uh, okay. he was a fur trader, and he went back to his white family and left his Indian family there. Well, then Alex, apparently, you know, this was something he grew up with, and he decided mm. to take the Indian way more. Mm. And then that's when I found out that we was related to Chief Red Cloud. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So I've got... I'm still looking into that, but um, I don't even but know I, if the, Billy knows that.
1: <laughs> I don't know that either. I know that he, I know that when we spoke, when we first met at the Holiday Inn in Rapid City, there was, I think we, we went back to Sally Bushmills, didn't we? Yes. Yeah, that's right.
0: But that and, was the mill, see. That, that,
1: was the, that's the, that was the other side. Right,
0: right. The Adams yeah. was was my grandmother's side.
1: Right, but the but the but the uh, grandfather's side um, was dated back to Sally Bushmills, who, I, if I want, if I'm correct, she was in Crazy Horse's band when he turned himself in at Fort Robinson.
0: Right, right. Yeah. Sally Mills was there. Uh huh. Yeah. She. They. They found a ledger of. Uh, yeah. uh of crazy horses they call it surrender but the indians don't call it that yeah, right. <laughs> you know that he turned himself in and yeah. there was names there and Sally Mills was there mm-hmm.
1: yeah which is just incredible um that's that would be would that be you and Billy's great grandmother or great great grandmother
0: great great grandmother yes yeah
1: great great grandmother which is just i mean that that, that you could that you could almost, you know, have a spiritual lineage to, to Crazy Horse is just, uh, and shoot, and Red Cloud on the other side is just incredible. So how would Red Cloud be related?
0: Well, when I read those memoirs, it, and I didn't know this, but he, uh, Alex Adams said he went to live with his uh, great, or his uncle, which was Red Cloud's brother.
1: Oh, Alex Allen went to live with his uh, charge. Uh, okay, uh, now I get it. Alex went to live with his brother and
0: his and, his uncle. Um, oh, it his was, uncle. Yeah, his uncle, and which was Red Cloud's brother.
1: Oh, and he was Red Cloud's brother. Yeah, okay.
0: yeah. And it, it's a little confusing, I know, but you know, it's so interesting. Yeah. And oh, yeah, And no, this I, I this young young lady, she said. You know, she almost didn't believe these memoirs because she said he, in them, and right to begin with, Alex says that he was 99 years old. Well, you know, back right. then, people hardly ever lived to be 99 years old. No. And I talked to my uh, first cousin, and he says, oh, yeah, he said, Grandpa A- Alex lived to be 101.
1: <laughs> wow. Yeah. And so, so so going back to Painted Horse, he would be
0: Alex's would be brother.
1: Alex's brother, and he, Painted Horse would be Alex's brother. So that would make make him. Uh, how would he be related to you? He would be
0: my great great uncle. Great great uncle. Okay, uh-huh. right.
1: And that would be Billy's great great uncle too. Yeah, sure. Uh-huh. Wow, that's Yeah, great. we have both.
0: You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so
1: that's great.
0: Well. I I so much appreciate your time and Oh, this and, is great. and it's really worth the mortgage it. on our house, Mike. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I, um, uh, uh, I I don't think I could charge you. I don't think it's uh, you should charge me. This was a pl- this was a pleasure. And um yeah, I look forward to when when this whole uh, COVID-19 stuff clears up. I need to get back out there cuz I want to research some of the archives um, at um, uh, on Pine Ridge it, uh, do you know how far back the Lakota Times goes?
0: no I don't
1: okay I'm gonna uh, well I'll, either way I, there's 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 also newspapers up there too that um, but but I'm gonna I'm gonna try and get as many old articles as I can so um, and and the next time I get up there I'll definitely look you. Um, you you and your husband, Doc?
0: Well, I would hope so. I think <laughs> I think I would be offended if you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, and I if I say, heard about it.
1: <laughs> especially, if, yeah, especially if I'm in that neck of the woods. That would be crazy.
0: But, uh, well, thank yeah. you for sharing your neck of the woods and letting us know, you know, I, I find this real interesting how things are for you. And, yeah. and um, once again, I say, one of the values i believe you have is is the res- you know to respect our culture and it's been such a pleasure to talk to you
1: well thank you sandy thanks for having me
0: okay goodbye okay bye bye well i hope you enjoyed our segment you know i i enjoy visiting with the people and if you did go to sandyswallowgallery.com where you can find my artwork and find some history and some background please subscribe to it or if you have some comments we would love to hear your opinion this is a new adventure for us and I value your opinion this song is written and sung by my good friend Quincy Goodstar Lakota Link is here to share Lakota values. God bless you on your journey. Wopila, thank you for joining us.